that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome to Agree to Disagree on VIC Radio at Ithaca College. On this show, we will debate all things sports, and sometimes we'll agree, and other times we won't. My name is Noah Schwartz, and I'm here alongside Jack Asello, Dean Gutick, and Aiden Chard. Now let's get this show on the road. And hello, everybody. Good morning, and welcome into Agree to Disagree here on VIC Radio. Our last show before spring break 2022, Noah Schwartz alongside Jack Asello, Dean Gutick, and Aiden Chard. Boys, how are you doing on this Saturday? So far, so good. It's, it's Bombers. It's Bombers Saturday. I'm excited. Bombers by a billion, baby. Oh, yep. yeah. So a couple interesting notes, guys. So we have the NCAA tournament in the women's bracket in D3, but on another note, this is our first show here at Agree to Disagree without masks in two years. How since, crazy it is it since, to see each other's faces? It was since like our fourth or fifth episode, I think, because we started in like February. Yeah, we started yep. at the end of January. Oh my God, no, it's actually you. It, it's my face, I know. <laughs> I, so say, it been I, like, I thought we were all better looking. It, <laughs> it would have been like four, yeah, four or five episodes before we got sent home, and then everything else was either online or with masks. Wild. Crazy. So we've got a lot to discuss on this Saturday morning, but the first thing we're going to get to is last night's Ithaca College women's basketball game advancing on from the round of 64 in now to the round of 32. Which you probably were listening to right here on VIC Radio, right? Yeah. Very likely. They won by a score of 75-63 to over Catholic. And it was really a, a different ball game after halftime it yesterday, was. guys. It, it was a different ball game after the last shot of the first half. Natalie Smith makes a buzzer-beating three to end the first half. The Bombers lead by two. I think it was 37-35. 37-35, yep. Then we go into the third quarter, and the Bombers take over. They outscore Catholic 20-7 to in that third quarter before the, the fourth quarter is essentially even 21-18, Catholic-led. But the Bombers took over in that third and quarter, and they basically won the game right then and there. They, they really did, and not only was it outscoring them 20-7, to it was holding them to three makes. They were three of 22 in that quarter. Uh, they also were a little bit cleaner with their uh, fouling because the first two quarters, the first half, they gave they got 14 free throws, which is not great, especially that first quarter gave them 10. So they were a little bit cleaner with their fouling. I think only had six in that quarter, and it really, really limited them uh, from what they were able to do. Yeah, and I'm going to say this this Bombers team, I really don't even think they played that well. And that's not I'm trying that's a compliment to them cuz they I didn't think they played their best and they still yeah. won by double digits. Yesterday they had 17 turnovers. That is so unlike this team. I'm watching them through watching them throughout this season. They're a very clean team and they usually play very sharp. Yesterday a lot of sloppy play. They gave up a lot of points in transition. That's very unlike them. Yes. They have to clean that up. Uh, the defense is there as usual. They had eight blocks in the game, four by Lindsey Albertelli, who I say is the defensive anchor of this team. Th- three, three by Grace Cannon, two of which were dirty. I'm sure you yeah. saw those. Yeah, oh, the crowd the, the got crowd, buzzing after those. The crowd was insane, yeah. and if you weren't there, you should be there tonight. It's going to be just as crazy. Yeah, and I always say this, like, for this team, and I've, I've spoken with Dan Raymond this season, he says, obviously the offense is great when Grace Cannon is rolling, but what this team wins with is through defense. They give up the least amount of points in the Liberty League division, around 51 a game. You saw it last night. It's about defense. 
Yeah, uh, first of all, I just want to say going to that game, the atmosphere was electric last yes. night at Ben Light Gymnasium. It was fun to go to. The whiteout, uh, I'm guessing they're probably going to do another whiteout for I this game. I have no game. idea. I, I haven't um, heard anything. Who knows? But the game was fun. Um, I do agree. I, th- I felt like that buzzer beater three definitely changed the momentum of that game. And when Catholic went up by one, I was sitting with a friend uh, courtside, and we were thinking, if Ithaca can make a shot here that beats the buzzer, that can definitely swing momentum. And they got yeah. the crucial three to go. They played a great third quarter. Um, I mean, another turning point in my eyes was when they got going the third quarter, especially Cameron Coffey when she made back-to-back threes. I thought that yeah. got them going because, I mean, she's one of the top shooters in the country. And um, to, to have her get going, have Cannon get good looks, um, you know, to get a team contribution. That I think that's what got the Bombers going in the third. They pushed the pace. They even did it in the first quarter. They forced tur- uh, forced turnovers. They did. And I thought, you know, watching this game, if they need to be Catholic, they need to push the pace, get the get them tired, and that's what they did. Um, Cara Volpe got out for a couple touchdowns. Oh my! Throw- oh my I was on unpu- yeah. throw- I, I was going to yeah. say Cara Volpe looked like Chris Paul. Looked like a <laughs> little bit of Matthew Stafford yeah. sidearm action right Stafford there. Cup. Stafford a cup. Stafford a cup. She, she had some nice passes. And some nice catches. I there was one pass in the game where Volpe made a beautiful pass, and I yelled "Touchdown!" <laughs> like it, I, I would have made it should have been seven points, but I mean that was just a beautiful game. I cannot wait for later at five p.m. Eastern time, same place. Yeah, um, it's going to be electric. It, it was, and 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 I do think in in some ways, Jack, like you said, the Bombers won in spite of themselves. At least in that first quarter, that first quarter was not great. In a lot of ways. Well, th- well, they got up they early. First, they did I think get it was up like early. Twelve but they to five, first, and they then did, it, and then but, up, but, they went on a run. But what happened? The problem. It ended seventeen to twelve in favor of the Bombers, which is a fine quarter. The problem that I had with it is of those twelve points, six of them were from free throws. Right. They had ten chances to get points. They were holding for the first five minutes of the game. Catholic had made one field goal, and they were still very much in it at that point so that was something they they needed to watch out for and they weren't able to watch out for and they got better at it later in the game when catholic needed to start taking more threes and didn't couldn't go in the paint as much but still it's something that you might have to pay attention to in this next game because you don't want to get your players in foul trouble in the first quarter they also played great defense. That first quarter, though, they forced a lot of turnovers. Yeah, their defense that, was amazing. Their defense, their defense was, was amazing, amazing throughout game. the game. Yeah. Grace Cannon, uh, Abertelli, as Jack mentioned, they played great defense all I thought around. Megan Yeoman was all over yeah. the place. I agree. I thought they just completely swarmed Catholic. They, yeah. gave, they didn't give them anything. And that was good because Catholic, in watching them pregame, they could shoot. They have shooters yeah. on that Catholic team. Um, and uh, you know, watching games, thinking you know, you cannot give them any open looks. Just don't give them anything because they'll make they'll make you pay. And boy, the Bombers didn't give them anything whatsoever. Yeah. They played swarming defense. They played. Did I just say defense? I'm sorry, swarming defense. So twenty straight wins now for the Bombers. Longest streak in program history. Unbelievable. Twenty straight wins. They have not lost in a few months at this point. Eighty five days. We are now into the round of 32. Tonight's game will be against Springfield, who won the first game. It was a bit of an upset over Messiah. It was, uh, an, it was a strange game, it was too. very strange. I don't know if we, any of you were there, but it was, it was weird. I saw yeah, I was, I was covering that one. It was yeah. odd. Um, so they're going to play Springfield. The game's going to take place tonight. Tip-off is at 5 o'clock in Ben Light. I assume it will be very crowded again in the Hill Center in the round of 32. And if the Bombers can win, they'll be in the Sweet 16. They'll be a second weekend team, and we'll see... Uh, what the journey takes from there, but uh, survive in advance, right? That's 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 what March is all about. Definitely, and yeah. speaking of March, 
We're going to talk about men's college basketball at the Mar- uh, in, in the March Madness tournament, which is scheduled to start in just over a week from now. Selection Sunday is next Sunday. And in the words of John Rothstein, we, we sleep, sleep in, in May. May. So, boys, I want to hear some of your favorite teams this year throughout the college basketball season. We haven't talked a lot about it here on this show, but I want to hear your final four picks. I want to hear maybe some sleeper teams that you think may have a run in them, you know, the Oral Roberts of 2022, so to speak. Who do you guys got? I want to hear this. Uh, I'll go. Uh, for my teams, uh, definitely I think Gonzaga has a great chance. Last year, Gonzaga almost almost became a team of immortality. They lost the last game of the season to Baylor in a heartbreaker, but they finished what last year 30 31 31 and 1 correct yeah yep. 31 and 1 they just missed 32 and 0 i feel like this year this year they have they have an aggressiveness inside them they've played great all season finishing with a 26 and 4 record they got to go out there and they got to get it done i also like even though we have two syracuse fans here i part of me kind of wants to see duke Duke make it all the way and win. Coach K, obviously, this is his last ride. It'd be nice to see one of the greatest college coaches, if not the greatest college coach of all time, go out with a national championship. I also like Purdue. They've had a great season, as well as Arizona. Another team that I think, the team, obviously, we talked about, like, our surprise teams. I like Alabama. I definitely think they can possibly make the Sweet 16. They can go on a nice little run. They they uh, they had some big wins this year, including a win over Gonzaga on the same night in football. They also beat Georgia in one of the biggest days in Alabama sports history. Yep. So that's that's definitely some teams, uh, interest, some interesting teams there. And Alabama is a strange one because I think the record is nineteen and eleven, but huge wins, but a lot of big wins, some bad losses, but a very filled up resume in terms of like this was a big win over Houston. This is a big win over Gonzaga. And you just go down the line in the SEC they play a lot of really good teams obviously. Yep. So a team that definitely is uh, should be Their team to watch out, out for. for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dean, I want to hear uh, some of the teams that you have going far in this tournament. Um I'm also going to go with Gonzaga. I think almost everyone at this table is probably going to have Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Arizona. I love what I see from the Wildcats this year. They have Arizona's been playing tremendous basketball this season. And in, with a first-year coach, too. And with the Tommy first year. Lloyd, the former uh, Gonzaga head assistant, goes there and just turns that program around, snap of his fingers. If you're a first-year coach and you put put your team in the top five your first year, you are not only ahead of schedule, you are— th- I mean, this program's destined for the two, for, for bigger things. Um, I'm going to go to Gonzaga, Arizona— uh, I'm not going to say Baylor or any of those guys. I'm going to say Villanova. I think Villanova may make a little run. A very good shooting team. Very good shooting Jermaine team. Jermaine Samuels is terrific. And Purdue. Colin Gillespie as well. And Purdue. Um, I, Purdue's been great. Ivy's a ma- magnificent player. Granted, though, Purdue, I'm not going to say they gave me questions, but when they played the other night, I thought we saw the better Big Ten team in Wisconsin, who has been pl- another team that's been on the rise. Um, Johnny Davis, man, is he's unbelievable. Amazing. That Wisconsin team is, uh, I would say Wisconsin's underrated in a way that like, not a lot of people are talking about them. We hear about the Gonzagas, the Arizonas, the Purdue's, Providence. Like We hear about these teams, but I feel like Wisconsin's not talked about enough or a lot. And yeah. I would say they're my under-the-radar team. But a team that I think that's going to go far in the tournament, um, I, I could see Murray State. You mentioned it to me the other day, but... I'm gonna go. With, I mean, after the other, after watching them against Gonzaga the other night, I do think they could. Your 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 Gales, huh? I'm going with St. Mary's, man. That's the underdog yeah, run. I was uh, that was, that was one of the ones I, I was thinking of when I saw. Listen, I didn't no, I didn't believe. Not that I didn't believe in them. I just didn't know if I could trust them heading into that Gonzaga game. I needed to see more from them. Granted, being a top twenty-five team is still good. 
when they the way they beat Gonzaga, the way they played and controlled that game, I thought they did a great job. And watching them against Gonzaga made me realize this team is legit. This team can definitely make a run. Houston can also make a run. Don't get me wrong. I do like the Cougars. I also like Texas Tech. But I'm going to say my sleeper team is Saint, from a non-Power 5 conference is going to be St. Mary's. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I think one, one team that a lot of people are sleeping on right now a little bit, they're not going to you know necessarily be Final Four, but— The Wagner Seahawks. Providence College. Providence has had a very solid season. They just dr- dropped in the uh, in the rankings because they lost to Villanova twice. But it's Villanova. It's not like that's a bad team. Not a bad loss. They you know they beat losing to Villanova is never a bad exactly. loss. exactly. And they've both been close eighty nine eighty four and seventy six seventy four. And you know they beat Marquette. They beat Xavier. They beat Butler a few times. They beat Seton Hall, UConn, Texas Tech. Northwestern, Wisconsin, like they're beating really good teams, and they've they've just had a couple of bad luck losses, but I think they're a team that could surprise people, could make it farther than people expect, and kind of maybe be a trap game for a top seed down the line, you know, like a two or a three. I don't know. I like it. They're also, uh, a, a lot of people from where I'm from go there, so, you know. Big fans, big fans in Massachusetts ah. at Providence College. Gotcha. Um, I also think I agree with I agree with Gonzaga definitely. Baylor, I do think is going to make a run. I mean, they're the reigning champs. They're a very good team. They're they're going to make a mark, of course. And then Auburn also. I think always gotta have you got to have your eyes on Jabari Smith, man. He's going to be a top a, three pick in the draft. Yeah. I, most drafts he's projected number one. We yeah. thought it was going to be Von Caro, but he may very he's, well. Go he's, one. He's, he's jumped him. In most mock drafts, according they, to CBS. They also just dropped after a tough week. They lost to Florida and then Tennessee. But, again, it's been a really, really good season for them. I mean, a lot of ranked wins. Very, very strong schedule. So, basically, when you play in the SEC, guys, I mean, you're playing a good team every night, right? And it's the same thing in the Big Ten, Big 12, too. It's, just, it's so tough. Like, you're going to lose conference games. You're going to get upset by people. You're going to lose on the road. It's just, it's just bound to happen when you play against teams like those. What do you guys think about Kentucky and Kansas's chances? I, so I was going to get to them. Yeah. They're two of my final they're four two, picks. Yeah, you have them in the final four? Yeah. So, I feel like they're always obviously good, but this is a year it's like, I feel like there's so much talent right now going around, and like these teams are just so well coached. I feel like they're in the tier two, just below, though. So I've got Kansas. I love Kansas yeah, this year. What, that, what, that might be my favorite team in the country. Yeah. Uh, I've got Purdue. I think Purdue is excellent. I've got Kentucky, best player in the country this year in Oscar Tashiwe. Yeah. Yes. And then I'm struggling with my fourth team. I think I'm leaning towards Illinois, but they may be a little bit lower. Like, if I was going to pick a team that wasn't a top maybe one or two seed, Illinois probably slot in, like, maybe three, four, something like that. Maybe they get a five seed. I, I love that team. And they got upset early last year with Io DeSumo, but that's a team that's ready to come back and make another run at it. So I'm going to go two Big Ten teams, and I'm going to go uh, Illinois as my somewhat of a sleeper. And if I had to pick a, a low seed, I'd say Mur- Murray State. I respect that. Now, well, another question I have, because I, like, I feel like in all sports— no matter what, you have to respect the champs. At the, you have to respect the champs at the time. I don't think any of us will have Baylor in our Final Four. Do we have them in the Elite Eight? I feel like yeah, I they would. very well yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they go back to the Elite Eight. They lost so much talent, but I still feel they're such a well coached team. It's going to work either way. I think they're going to make Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. I still think they're going to have a good run, but them losing talent and also the way they've played this year against teams like. Uh, even though they won that game, Oklahoma State. No, they won that game, Oklahoma State. No, they won that game, Oklahoma State. Had their questions in other games, Texas Tech. Um, 
Baylor at least looked like a team in the tournament that just was unbeatable. I mean, granted, they won the championship. But this year, there's more flaws that show within this uh, Baylor and, team. And we talked about it off-air yesterday, Dean. They have an injury, too. They have their injury as well. Jonathan Chamuachaja was out for the season. And I know people may be like, oh, who's that? He's not a huge name. Well, he is their starting big. And so he was that last year when they won the championship. He's been that this year. He's out for the year with an injury, so that's definitely a huge loss as well, considering they already lost yeah. four starters off yep. of last year's team. So. And Davion, Davion Mitchell went to the draft. Yep. I'm Jared also, Butler's in the draft, yeah. too, as well. I'm, I'm going to lock this in now before the brackets even come out. But well, This will definitely happen if Aiden's predicting it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we were saying it right before. Every season, there's, there's the Cinderella team that makes a little bit more of a run than you expect. Uh, and the, the team I got this year... Uh, I'm I'm going Montana State. All right. You know why? Beautiful. You know why? Why is that? Because Montana State's a college. I, I didn't Nobody know. knows. Who knows? They're in the Big Sky Conference. I couldn't tell you a single team in that entire conference. I couldn't tell you a single player on that team. I couldn't tell you what their mascot is or even what colors they wear. And that's what makes them the team that's going to make a run. And that's why we love March, Did, right? Exactly. Did anybody see no. Oral Roberts coming last year? Yeah, Did anybody see Middle say, Tennessee? Oral Roberts was your team last year, right? No, or they were not. Like they beat, I feel like they, they were the, huge, the biggest underdog or, of Roberts, known schools. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State last year. I was sad about that. But it was an impressive game. No, last year, I can't even remember who I had last year. I had somebody going deep. Um, well, let me ask you. I'll frame the, the question point. this you way: had, You had Winthrow going deep. No, I'm just kidding. Is there going to be let's let's put it this way: Is there going to be a 15 or a 16 seed that wins a game in the first round this year? I think a yes. 15 seed will, at the very least, push push a game. That usually happens, but will they win one? I I can't say for certainty. Montana State is projected to be a 14. Okay. Uh, they're, they're, so that, that's that's your team. That's who you're rolling that's, with. That's who I'm rolling with. They're going to win at least one game, maybe two. We'll see. If that happens, you know, you should tweet that out, Aiden. And then if it actually happens, <laughs> you'll get like more responses I than know. any tweet Montana on the entire State, internet. Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If Aiden says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Aiden is never wrong. He predicted the Chiefs were going to lose like three straight weeks in a row, and they did. So. Anyway, guys, we're going to move on, but uh, I'm so excited for March Madness. It's we sleep one of the best in times in May. The March, the March Madness tournament is the greatest playoff in, out of any league ever. Yeah, it's great. So let's talk NBA. We'll move to pro basketball quickly, guys. We've got a couple things we want to talk about. And one big game tonight that's unfortunately not on national television, but you can stream it if you really want to. 76ers and Heat. So since the Sixers acquired James Harden, they played four games, uh, two at home, two on, or two at home, two on the road. They've won all four. They have been dominating people for the most part. They beat Cleveland last night, but for the most part, it's been teams that aren't really championship level contenders. Like you had two games against the Knicks. You had the Timberwolves, who were decent. You know they're solid, I guess, but mostly teams that aren't great. Tonight they play the top team in the East in Miami. This is going to be a huge challenge. And the Sixers this week. Not only were they trying to get James Harden involved and try to f- figure him out with this roster, but they also made another signing, and we'll get to that in a minute as well. But what do you think about the 4-0 star, Jack? Because I know you've watched every one of these games. What have you thought about how James Harden has done uh, since he went to Philly and is uh, adjusting quite nicely next to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey? Uh, this team is going to be special for a long time. James Harden, in four games, in four games so far in Philadelphia, he is averaging 27 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds on 59% shooting and 50% from three. He is doing it all right now. And for any of us for any of us that said his play was looking like it was declining, 
I think of it in Brooklyn. I think it's because he just really didn't want to be there, and you could really see it right now. He is playing out of his mind right now. If he was, if he was there, if he got traded in November for this team, I would pick him to be an MVP. He has played that well. Joel Embiid is having the easiest looks in his life. Obviously, he's still averaging close to thirty points a game. He's still looking like a point center out there with all those beautiful moves. And come, have you seen him coming off pick and rolls? He just has clear lanes to the basket. He has easy dunks. He just hops up. He even says he's never had the e- easier looks in his life. And he's not really someone who rolls a lot. He's usually someone who either yeah. short rolls or pick and pops. And he's, and he's going all the way to the bucket now and getting he's, dunks. He's gone up for some lobs too, which is very unlike him. Yep. But the guy we got to talk about in this whole situation is not Harden, and it's not Joel Embiid. It is second-year man Tyrese Maxey. He has been. He was. Do, he was great this season before Harden got there. He was averaging about 16 points a game. 16 points a game are on like 39% shooting. And in the conversation for most improved player. Definitely. And now, since James Harden has been acquired, he's moved off the ball. And he's like a point, he's a point slash shooting guard. He, he's definitely capable of handling the ball, averaging just around five assists a game. But he's moved off the ball. His, his points per game has gone up to 18 points, and he's shooting. 42% from the field on the season since Harden's got there. It's got to be up somewhere near 48% from three. He has been a knockdown shooter. He's creating so much offense on his own from the baseline instead of at the top. It is amazing how well he's played. And honestly, if they play like this next season, I think Tyrese Maxey is going to make the all-star team next year. He's a shot, too. Dean, I want to hear what you thought because I, I, know, I know you had some thoughts on, the, on these two teams or on this team as well. Well, James Harden has went from the Dribble Brothers to the Free Throw Brothers in Philadelphia. Uh, they shoot a lot of free throws. They shoot a lot of free throws. Harden last night, just for everyone to know, took 10 shots. 10 shots total. He scored 25 points. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And again, he made six and, of those. 10. And I think it was against the Knicks. They had 37 combined free throws yep. with Joel Embiid shooting 27 and Harden shooting 10, which, I mean, he makes all 10. This is a good. This is going to be a great team, though. They have their third guy in Tyrese Maxey, who's been playing tremendous basketball since – James Harden was acquired. I mean, and if you've got, I I don't want to give him too much of a shout out, but share the rock. Um, shout out to Lucas. I mean, I talked about this with him on his podcast, saying in the draft that Tyrese Maxey would be a sleeper of a pick, and Tyrese Maxey is looking amazing. I think he's definitely in contention for most improved. I mean, he's been playing great basketball, but it's also with James Harden and Embiid duo working together. I mean, Joel Embiid, correct me if I'm wrong, said the other day in a press conference, I've never been this open in my life. You got James Harden, who's a great shooter, tremendous one-on-one score. You got Joel Embiid, who's playing MVP level, arguably the best big man right now. Um, oh, he is the best big man. He is the, well, yeah, well, this season. I mean, like, Sorry, Joker, it's slightly Embiid. This season, it's Embiid. And then you got guys like Max who are stepping up, and he's playing really well. They got other pieces too to complement that, and Matisse Thybul, uh, Tobias Harris, who's gonna it was a great. Well, they got to get Harris to play better. I think he he missed I, all five of his threes last night. He was the best game he's had since Harden got there. But I think they got to figure out how to use Maxi and Harris as guys off the ball playing next to Embiid and Harden. They'll, they'll figure that out, I think, as they go, but that's certainly something to watch out for. Will Tobias get back to his 20-point-per-game average? It is Not even that. He literally just needs 15. You can get 15 from Harden. Yeah. When you're getting 25, when you're getting 30, 30, 27, and 24 from those three guys, you just need him to be that guy that puts it over the top. Right. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you need guys like to step up, but I still think... The Sixers team is going to be fine, and they're they're going to go a long way, especially if they keep playing like this. This is a team that could very well come out of the East, let alone make the Eastern Conference Finals. You, um, you know what they need if they want to? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. <laughs> no, 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 no. They no, get no, time no, no, Liangelo, no. Aiden, Aiden, Aiden. Liangelo. Liangelo. Yeah. 
Uh, I think they should trade for Lonzo in the offseason. Uh, so, guys, let me let me uh, frame the question this way, then. They need a real point guard. We've seen them for exactly. four games. Lonzo. Tonight's their big test, though, against Miami. A team that is ferocious defensively. A team that gets up into you more than just about anybody else. They're physical. They're tough. They make shots. They're fearless. They've been in these big games before. They know what it's like. And they want to come in and welcome James Harden to Philly and say, hey, guys, we're going to beat you for 48 minutes, and it's going to be your first loss under Harden, and we're going to smile and wave at you after." Jimmy's going to be like, when I came here, they thought we were going to win the title, too. Well, exactly. A bit of a range game as well. Here's the thing. It's not – they're not going to have to beat them for 45, 48 minutes. They're going to have to beat them for one. You can be losing the whole game, come back, just stay Dude, in it. And you mean when, when Embiid and Harden are off the floor? Yeah. Because that's well, what, that's yeah. the big problem that they've that's, had so far. That that that, but also it's Miami has not been a team that has really been rushing to these fast leads and then been holding on to them. They've just been solid all game. That's what they do best. I and I think, look, the the, the duo is going to lose eventually, right? Yeah. They have to lose eventually. They could go. They could go like twenty five and under in the regular season. <laughs> you never that's, know. That's what it's looked like no, so far. Yeah. It 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 has, but they haven't faced a team like Miami yet. No, they have not. They haven't faced somebody who's really like a big contender, right? Yep. So, I think Miami is going to be the team that beats them, but I don't think it's going to be a bad thing, and I don't think it's going to really be that much of an upset. Yeah, I've I re- I really enjoy Miami. I they're an old school team. They're an old school team. They don't really have any pure scorer on their team. They win as a, they play as a team. Everybody has to do their part. They play very tough defense. I always I've said this to Noah. If this team could do one thing right, Miami is also favored. Yeah, if, this, if Miami could do one thing right, they can guard anybody in this league. They have fo- when when fully healthy, this team has five guys that can defend out there. You have Kyle Lowry, you have Jimmy Butler, you have Bam, you have PJ Tucker, and if you have to, you have Markeith Morris off the bench as well. And in fact, he's coming back soon. Well, we're going to talk about this yes. in a minute. Yeah, Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is expected to return. If they can get a 13 points per game, Victor Oladipo with solid defense, that is the ultimate X factor this season. And one thing that I think has been so impressive about Miami this year, they've had so many injuries and COVID restrictions in and out of the lineup, and they've maintained a two, at least a top two spot in the East pretty much the whole so season. So an interesting stat, and Zach Lowe on his podcast, who I love, uh, mentioned this this week. The Heat this year on the floor, have for 70 total minutes this season, have had Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero play together. 70 total minutes for your four best players, and they're first in the yeah, Eastern Conference. Yeah, they're first. That's why I think it's That's amazing. how resilient this team has been this year. The only season. thing that's going to hurt them is like how much they're not going to have great chemistry when they're all together, well, I feel. That's the only problem that hurts them. It's worked out so far, though. So let's talk about another thing that happened with the— Oh, go ahead, Dean. I, thought, I didn't know you had a point I, there. I, I, no, I didn't say anything for the game. Oh, go ahead. My bad. I'm sorry. I didn't you mean know to skip I'm also you. on the show. I, um, after two I, years, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. I mean, first of all, why is this game not nationally televised? Is my question. Because Lakers Warriors is. Because everybody wants to see another beatdown. Come on, man! Get these guys off. Of I national. would love to watch the Lakers get crushed on national oh, television. It's that, it's any that night. team from Southern California, no, 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 according no, no, no. to TNT. Now the second, the second best team in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's the, yes, it's the team from Southern. It's from the team from SoCal. Probably um, the worst team in California right now, I'm going to be honest. The L.A. Kings. They are not worse than the, the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> I'd take the Kings over the Lakers. You, go, you do I that and see how that I'd take the L.A. Kings over the Lakers in terms of who's better. Wait, wait, Noah, Noah, how much did you lose to the Pelicans by? 
Anywho, I can't count that high. <laughs> I am, I I am really excited for this game tonight. It's gonna be a test, a test of the pretty much the the two the, the most electric duo right now, along with Tyrese Maxey against a team that not only like you said, Jack, they're a team effort. I mean, they play swarming defense right there in in Miami, and Spolster has done a great job with that squad. I mean, I also believe the acquisition of Kyle Lowry has also been a good acquisition. They also got shooters. I agree with you, Aiden. I think this is gonna be the first game that. Uh, Harden and Embiid also lose, but it's not bad thing. I mean, you're playing yeah. a team who's you're playing a you're, good team. You're playing the number one team right now, and in it's the not like Conference. it's a winner go home game right now. It's not, so this is, yeah, yep. I, I, I there's yeah there's yeah. a month there's a month to go in the season, and they have a lot of upcoming tests as well. In the next couple of weeks, they've got obviously Miami tonight, Chicago next. After that, Brooklyn with Durant back, Denver, Cleveland, and Dallas all before next Friday. What's their next game against the Celtics? Let's see. I have it I'm here. assuming they're going to— I don't gonna, think they play the rest of—they don't play the rest of the season. I thought season. they had one more. Nope, they don't. After Dang. spring break, they I mean, actually, that's the, good for us. I after mean. spring break, they also play the Heat and the Clippers. No, oh, and they play Phoenix and Milwaukee back-to-back games as well. So, a tough schedule coming up, but some good tests coming up for Harden uh, and Embiid. They also made one other move this week that was kind of interesting. They signed DeAndre Jordan after the Lakers cut him, after <laughs> DeAndre Jordan threw a Hail Mary pass out of bounds in the Pelicans game the other day. If you didn't see it, I know you might be confused. DeAndre Jordan came in the game in the second half when the Lakers were down by, I don't know, 50 points or whatever it was. And he can't, he comes up with the ball, dribbles up the floor, and tries to throw an outlet pass to somebody and throws it probably 25 feet out of bounds. It was one of the worst passes I have seen in the NBA in my life. And the next day they cut him and he signed with the, with the, with the Sixers. So that was interesting. Do you guys think he can help the Sixers at all? Because he looks totally washed to me. He- First of all, he needs to watch more tape on Caravolpe on how to pa- do a long pass. Yeah, uh, not, seriously. Not, 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 not. Did, did you see that pass Aiden, on the video? I did not. It, it, you should look it up. It it's was hilarious. N- it was number one on Shaq than a fool yeah. on TNT. Um, I think DeAndre Jordan's, Jordan's cooked. This is not Los Angeles Clippers DeAndre Jordan. This is an older, washed DeAndre Jordan. It just it it, it, it pains me to see him this way too because watching DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers, he he was obviously playing as an All Star. He was a great defensive presence. I mean. He, I'm pulling it up on YouTube right now. I need yeah. to see this. You, you gotta see, you the gotta caption, see this. the caption, or the title of the video is "DeAndre Jordan almost catches a murder charge." That's <laughs> pretty much what it was. I mean, it, it just pains me to see because I loved DeAndre Jordan on the LA Clippers, and he was a great player. He was a great defensive presence, and now just seeing him, you know, slow, he just cooked on both ends of the ball. It it, it makes me sad, and I don't think he's going to play any significant <laughs> role on the Sixers. And there's Aiden laughing. <laughs> there's Aiden's reaction right there live. Listening. Aiden's reaction is that was It was priceless. honestly one of the worst passes in NBA history. Very much so, and that's so it's kind funny. of funny. This guy has been so bad for the last two years, and he keeps tricking these championship contenders at the signing of the contracts. I don't know what his secret is. He pays them all. He's like on- well, there's a Doc Rivers connection with Philly. But here's really the concern, though. That's true. Joel Embiid, we know, is hurt a lot, right? I mean, he's been his whole yes. career. He needs rest time. But do you trust Jordan to be the best. That's what I mean. That? When, when, when Embiid is off the floor, DeAndre Jordan is the best option. Like when they had they're going to get killed in those minutes. When they had Drummond, it was perfect. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, Embiid's going to sit, let's say, 15 minutes a night. He'll play probably 35 minutes, let's say. Jordan's going to get cooked. I don't know how they're going to survive those minutes. Yeah. Seriously, like, I, what are you going to do with DeAndre Jordan out there? He couldn't play for the yeah. Lakers all and, year. And you can't tell me they just signed into a ten-day contract. You can't tell me that Willie Cauley Stein is not better than DeAndre Jordan. Now he's cut. They cut him afterwards. It's ridiculous. I think he 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 is definitely a legit backup center, and he could definitely start on some teams. Willie Cauley Stein. I think he's a very solid player. So I, I'm a fan of his. Well, if you're playing Philadelphia now, also at Jordan, the 
the most important thing is going to be winning those non-embiid minutes, especially with Joe, uh, him off the floor and you're playing Jordan. Expect more teams to definitely attack and try and blow by DeAndre. Yeah, Jordan, there's no question. Which I think it's going to happen. And the other option, nine they, out of ten times. The other night. option they really have is, I guess, Paul Millsap, who's even older than Jordan and might move even worse. So we'll see how it goes. Let's talk baseball, guys, or or maybe the lack of baseball. Yeah, way to put this. Woo. So hey, Bombers loser. are playing today. The Bombers Long are playing Island, today, Major loser baseball. Let's Commissioner talk, Manfred, college or, baseball. as a lot of people have been calling yes. him Manfraud the last few days. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that protest outside the MLB facility in the city. That was funny. Um, there are going to be at least two series to start the season that are canceled, so we'll not have 162 games this year for the second time in Unless the span of three seasons. Unless you to reschedule and push back. they will not. Which they will not. They asked him, still. and he said no. So Manfred got up on the podium. He was smiling. He was practicing his golf swing, if you saw that photo. <laughs> He was laughing about the whole thing. I mean, the guy is so out of touch with reality. It's unbelievable sometimes. Yeah. But we are not going to have 162 games. And just a few weeks ago, Manfred said it is disastrous for the industry if they don't play a full season. They're not playing a full season. So are you, how much are you guys going to miss baseball, first of all? And second of all, what, what are the repercussions potentially from this, Jack? Yeah, well, obviously, b- missing baseball is going to be huge. <laughs> I'm just having fun and smiling like Rob Manfred, you know? I mean, the fact that he was laughing. Was... Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was ridiculous. That pissed me off. But this is, this is just ridiculous. And the fact that they couldn't the, – the pro- like, obviously, them not agreeing to a deal sucks. But the problem with this is the way they gone about this. this they should have been meeting every day for the last five Months and by the way, just uh, why were they here, meeting Jack? like that? They, they did every day this past week. Just breaking news here. This is from Bob Nightingale. There, today is the 94th day of the lockout. There's no negotiating today either. So that's just another point to, to what yeah. you were saying. No negotiations for months. No negotiations today. We'll see how this plays if, out going forward. If they were meeting every day, this would not ha- the, the, it would be over by now if they were meeting every day for the last four months we wouldn't be in this situation but it's like they meet and it's like so annoying whenever they do meet over the past four months they'll meet for 20 minutes they'll go back they'll talk it over with their committees for three for three days and then get a counter proposal yeah. it's the most ridiculous thing well I, I also yes the whole thing about it is pretty ridiculous but it's also you have to remember like if you've looked at what the offers have been, the players are just asking for like, hey, give more money to everybody instead of just the best players. Yeah. That's all we want. And the owners are like, okay, let's make all of these massive changes to the way the game is played, and we're not willing to compromise on a single thing about them, so you either take it as is or leave it and we don't play. And they're not willing to compromise. The owners have not compromised on anything as far as I've seen. The players have compromised. They've basically said we're okay with doing a 14-team playoff if you give us the money that we're asking for. Well, hold on, because they have, they have moved on some stuff. They got a 12-team playoff. The, 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 the playoff was one thing. But, yeah, the, but the, players, the, players the, ag- the players agreed on those. But the minimum salary was the big money advancement that was made. They, they moved that up quite a bit. I think it's yes. 700000 now, which was they agreed on. Yes. We'll see if that sticks in the next proposal, but that was what they had originally. But my, my, my point is the players are asking for what is essentially like a drop-in-the-bucket type of money right now, like stuff that these owners aren't even going to realize is out of their pockets, and the owners aren't willing to compromise on that little bit, and then they're expecting the players to compromise on every single thing. You know, the owners are trying to strong arm the players. And I think what what the MLB did was, I mean, messed up, but very, very smart. They basically 
controlled the narrative over that last night. Yeah, they made the players look bad. They they made it seem as if this deal was going to get done, and then at the last minute when we realized it wasn't, they were like, it's because the players are not accepting our deal. You know, yep, and it makes it yeah. on the players. And the sad thing is, though, they're gonna this this will go on for another two months. The owners, the owners aren't gonna change their what they what they've what they've been doing. The players are just gonna give in because they need game day checks. I pretty much I assume, but I feel like think and these next two months of negotiating is just gonna be for nothing. Really, is how I feel yeah. about it. There is one thing though I will say this I've been happy about like in terms of rule changes. I'm very happy that I hear it. The owners want to ban the shift. I'm very happy about that. You know, I'm, for watching baseball, no one knows I can't stand the shift. I think it ruins baseball. I'm fine with that. If 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 that if it, like like I'm okay with things like that. I'm okay with. I know you guys disagree with the extra innings rule. I'm okay with the extra innings rule. With if, the second man with the ghost yeah, runner. Yeah. Oh, I hate if, that. That's the worst. Wait, wait, wait. If it means that the players get what they're looking for. Like, I'm not going to ask for that. I'm not going to ask for a 14-team playoff. But if the choice is a 14-team playoff or no baseball, which are you going to choose? Uh, I guess I'd rather have baseball, but exactly. I wanted to have it in a, somewhat of a fair way. Yes, but but I'm, my, I'm I'm saying there are a lot of things that the owners are asking for. I think a lot of fans are okay with having one or two of them go through. Things that we don't really want, things that we're okay with going through, though, if it means that it's going to get the players what the players want, you know? True, but I think for most fans, Aiden, I would tell you that they care honestly more about Themselves. what the rules look like. Oh, yeah, that too. Because like, think about it. We're fans, right? So we're going to be watching the games daily. Homie. We're, yeah, we're going to be watching the games. And if you're sitting there watching the baseball game, you want to know that when the extra inning comes, when extra inning comes around, you're not going to have a ghost runner. At the end of the day, everyone's going to forget what the minimum salary is, or what the pre-arbitration pools m- money is, or like all that. Oh, the, what the competitive balance tax is for most teams. Most people really don't care about that. They're going to be watching the game. They're going to be watching what's on the field. Now, I understand from our perspective as people that want to be in the media, we want to know these things. We want to ho- hopefully get the players what they're asking for. But from a lot of people's perspective, they couldn't care less about the money parts. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's that's more than fair to say. Yeah, I agree. And obviously the players want more money. That's totally understandable. But I feel like they need to lower their expectations a little bit. I feel like, for example, because you're not – obviously they asked for like $100 million. No, There was no way that was ever going to happen on any universe. So, like, for example, if they started at they started at 50 and they were able to get it to 35, I consider that a huge win. It goes up $25 million. But here's the th- here's the thing though, and you get I mean, what I'm saying. I know Dean though. wants to say something here, but l- let me just let me just throw this in. What the, really is the biggest issue for me at this point, now that I can see the reporting on this last couple days, what's really messed up about this is that even the owners can't get on the same page with each other because there's that big of a discrepancy in who wants to spend. Like I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, they wanted to raise the CBT up to I think it was 240 million or whatever the number ended up being, but there were certain owners, I think four or five of them, that didn't even want to raise it at all. You know, I think it was the the Angels owner and a few. I think the uh, yeah. Arizona owner. They didn't even want to raise the the balance tax at all. So it just shows you, like Steve Cohen is willing to blow past the tax. Yeah, okay. Other people are, but you can't. They won't even move yeah. it up at all, and that's a real problem that the owners are yeah. that big of a. But yeah, the biggest problem is this. Like for example, the Yankees, Mets, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, they don't care. They're gonna they're gonna sign through guys for to three hundred million dollar contracts every year for the next ten years. That is not gonna change. Sorry, Dean. <laughs> but, like, the, the owners, like the Orioles, 
they don't want to spend the money. Yeah. And they're gonna they they want to spend as little money as possible, build up their farm systems, and then when the time comes, if they have enough star power, they're gonna go out. They're gonna sign one guy to a five year, hundred fifty million dollar contract, and hopes that 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 is enough to make the World Series. Yep. Why Why you gotta remind me? Every can we just? Well, you're, you, you represent well, the small market in here. Yeah, yeah you well, do. First of all, yeah. Well, Aiden, you like the underdog too, though. I like the underdog. Boston I don't fan. like the Orioles. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, first of all, first there's, of all, there's, there's liking the underdog, and then there's insanity, and that's what you are. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you like Montana State, but I, hey, right. I'm confident you guys are going to be coming back all, to me in a few weeks. Aiden, the only time, first of all, you're not right all the time. The one time you I were know, wrong I know, was when the Bills smacked the Patriots. I, Anywho, hey, and I accepted um, that loss. No, Anywho, I did. Come on, no, you didn't. Anywho, um, first of all, you mentioned the owners. Can you add Peter Angelos to that list? Because he's the worst owner in sports, and he's not willing to spend or pay anything for this team. Um, but to go back to the lockout, I'm not even surprised at this point. I mean, this has been going on for months. This has been an issue to come. I mean, out of every league there is, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Manfred looks makes Goodell look like a, a total saint. I know um, it's crazy how much I, I, our, I, I, our opinion on Goodell has changed over the past few I, years. I, I, I was what thinking about doing like, that at the draft. People should bow down to him, just knowing I know. how just, like, you know they that, usually it can always be worse. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they like, always boo him, but they shouldn't anymore. Like what? What? What, what was no. it? Five years ago, when the Patriots with with the whole Deflategate thing, and the Patriots had all the like Roger Goodell clown shirts, and the entire league hated Goodell because he was ruining the game of football and. Now it's like Goodell might be the best commissioner in sports. I don't know. Uh, He's no, not. But it's like, Adam Silver. I know. In Silver but, we trust. But still, like, you know, Goodell is looking really, really good out here because of everything that uh, Manfred's doing. Oh, my God. Anywho, it, it, just the way that these owners have gone about, the way that Manfred has orchestrated this whole thing is just a total joke. I mean, it's not a surprise that we're getting a delayed season. Um, I don't know if I asked last week, but I'll ask it again. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not – when we'll have a season, it's if we'll even have a season at this point. Because the way no, it's when it's not if no, they, they will be a season. I mean, the way, if this keeps up in the near future, do you think that they're going to have a season? I do, I do because at some point, I, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I did say this last week. I still think we're going to have a season, but it's definitely going to be delayed and shortened. As well, there's no question now. I mean, that's, that's a, confirmed. Well, but the no, question is how what, much. I'm saying this was before. This was before everything yeah. happened. Yeah, it's like will they play 140 games? They play 100 games, 120 yeah. games. Like nobody knows that. It, now. It's it's just a, the MLB is a total mess. And yeah. like I say, you know, I just feel like maybe it's just me. You guys can get your opinion on this. Out of every sport with the owners too, I just feel like MLB owners are the least invested within their team. At least yeah. when you have basketball. Um, Steve Ballmer, you have guys that are invested in their team, guys that commit to their team. You know, in the NFL, you got you know you guys also have Robert, I mean Robert Kraft is a great owner too. And you know, if you go to the if you go to the MLB, it's it's the opposite of that. It's guys that pull away from that. It's owners that really don't care about you know the the best interest of the sport. And it's the same thing with the commissioner. The commissioner doesn't even care about the product that known as the players that's put out there. And if you expect your product to be better and be put out there, how how are you going to do it like this? I mean, the Manfred and the owners are holding back the product that is known as the players. Um it sucks that a lockout is happening. I mean, less Oriole losses on the year, but um it it's <laughs> I guess so, yeah. 
stop the count, stop the count. They'll zero, have a hundred. They'll have a hundred instead of a hundred and twenty. <laughs> yeah. Road road two forty and one hundred starting. And the, and the worst part whenever. for you, Dean, is that when they do get the CBA, they're not even going to have the first pick anymore because it's going to be a it's going to be a lottery this time. Yep. That's the yeah. Watch them be like. Watch them be like the Detroit Red Wings. For those who don't get it, the Red Wings have the worst record in the NHL and got the number five pick in like the, the lottery. Knicks. That's going to be the Baltimore or like Orioles. But, yeah, no, and baseball is just a total disaster right now. And baseball's losing it. And it, it, it's funny because once baseball was America's game, and now it's just taking the backseat to everything. Yeah. Yep. Any other points you want to make on this, or should we continue uh, on? Let's go, I Mets. just, yeah. It's I mean, sad. I, I just don't want this – I don't want the the players to be the bad guys here because they're not. This is entirely 100% on the owners. The owners in the league have the power to say we can play while we're still negotiating a new CBA. They will, once, if an agreement happens, they will have the power to say we'll push back the end of the season and play a full 162-game season or, you know, we'll play some extra games depending on how much it gets cut down. They have the power to do all of this, and they're not doing it. They're not going to do it, and fans need to be reminded of that. Fans need to know that the owners could be doing way more than they are to get a season to go. The owners don't care if a season doesn't happen. Yeah, they're willing to the owners are The owners are billionaires, and that's the other thing. I don't like the whole thing about the narrative about the millionaires versus the billionaires. This is a good point. Go ahead. Because it's not true. It's not millionaires versus billionaires. This is billionaires versus a couple millionaires and a bunch of people who are going to be in debt in five years when they're out of the league for good. You know? Fair. Most players in the minor leagues, which is what a lot of what this is fighting for, is 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 for the minor leaguers and for the smaller players. All the money that the MLB is or that the players are asking for, this is not for Mookie Betts and Max Scherzer and Mike Trout. No, it's for no. all the average this, guys. This is for the small guys, the small the guys that get ten days in the MLB for their first five years. Or the, their first five years. Or the, their first five years. Or trying to just break through, like or the guys who are uh, trying to break a through. A rookie who might get the three hundred million dollar contract in the future, but right yeah. now just isn't yeah, at even, that point. Even so, like it's, this isn't even for guys like Wander Franco, who's like uh, the the rookie phenom. You know, it's, well it's, he got the extension, but a he lot did of guys get the extension. Don't. But like it's, yeah. it's it's for the the small rookies that are coming up and they want to make their way in the league, and that's what people need to understand because most players in the MLB are not millionaires. The average salary for the MLB is what seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Yes, it's not a lot. And the, and the average salaries, by the way, are going down. The average salaries are going down in the minor leagues. Uh, players are getting paid less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they never really know about their future. They don't know where they're going to live. They don't know where they're going to where they're going to find food. Like it's not easy for a lot of these players. Anyways, that's just my small point. It, it, Keep that in mind while this whole situation is going on because it makes the owners look a lot worse when you really start to think about it. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, we got one more topic we've got to get to before winners and losers, so we got about five minutes here. I want to talk about some NFL wide receivers, guys. It was announced yesterday, heavily reported by Adam Schefter, that the Cowboys are going to release Amari Cooper before the start of the new league year. He's owed $20 million at the beginning of – uh, at the beginning of the new league year, and they will probably move off of him prior to that. So we'll see how that goes and whether or not they end up paying Michael Gallup with that extra money they have. But kind of a disappointing tenure for Amari in Dallas. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, and then I know Dean wants to talk about his uh, second favorite receiver on the Buffalo Bills. So, Jack, go ahead. A third favorite receiver. Third, wow. I guess Gabriel Davis in the playoffs. Yeah, Gabriel Davis, he took over. 
Uh, yeah, for Amari Cooper, kind of a sad end uh, when he got traded to Dallas for a first-round pick. Everyone thought it was crazy. He had an eight-game stretch where he pretty much carried the Cowboys on his back and got them to the playoffs, and he earned himself a $20 million contract. Since then, he has, he's been very on and off in terms of reduction. He's disappeared from games a lot of the time on the road. And especially now with CeeDee Lamb, you drafted a, you drafted a, high, a high receiver in the first round, and he has been absolutely phenomenal, and he is definitely this team's number one receiver, so you're not going to pay your number two receiver $20 million. That's just outrageous. So, yeah. You got to get rid of him. I think they're going to be able to get off the money without too much of a penalty. So they should be able to move him. And Amar Cooper, this has kind of been, this kind of is the story of his career. When you look at it, obviously for the Raiders, his first two years, everyone thought this guy is like going to be a top ten receiver for the next decade. And then after his first two seasons, he kind of fell off a little bit. That he got traded to the Cowboys. He sort of revitalized his career for a season and a half, and now he's back to being a little bit of a disappointment. I don't know if disappointment's the word as much as it's just he's lost behind CeeDee Lamb and some other, like, Michael, Michael Gallup isn't bad. Yeah, But Gallup was out half the season. And he had to play last season with Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush, was it? Well, and I think it's just... Ben DiNucci. And, yeah. I think it's really just that his contract is such a massive it's a, hit. It's just bad, that's why. That yes. you think of his production in a way that he really doesn't deserve to be thinked about. That, like, people are like, oh, he's a Pro Bowl receiver. No, he's not. He just gets paid like one, and his production doesn't match up to it. If you just think That's of him the same as a thing with $10 million a year receiver who gets 1,000 yards most seasons and is decent, pretty good, then you're going to be like, oh, that's pretty great. You have Amari Cooper. But the way his contract was structured, uh, you just I, wouldn't think I, of that I, way. I agree, but have, like, okay, this ahead. is not the worst con- – you, you tweeted this. This is not the worst contract on the Cowboys. If they're really looking to save space, Zeke. million other ways to do it without Zeke cutting one of the better Lawrence. players on your team. Yeah. I mean, I still think Amari Cooper is very good, and he's going to get signed, and he's probably going to be a number one or number two wherever he goes. No, you tell him to come to Kansas City? I'm uh, hoping the Saints get him, but cool. they need to first worry about the salary cap space that they got. A lot of wide receivers on the market, so we'll see yeah, uh, the, what these directions. The top, all the top oh, ones are hurt. That's the other thing. The salary cap is a complete lie in the NFL. I mean, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, it doesn't hurt them to keep Zeke or to keep Amari right now. No, it doesn't. Even the salary cap, like the Saints that were a hundred million over last year, they got under with just a couple of restructurings and they cut some smaller players. This year there were seventy six million over. Three restructures later, they're thirty million over. So it's doable. It's manageable. Very easy. Teams are making excuses like this, cutting guys for the excuse of the salary cap when it's really just whatever else under the sun. Yeah, it's fine. The Cowboys they need to move off a lot of the big contracts that they have. I think next year the Cowboys are definitely gonna move off Ezekiel Elliott. At this point I think it's at least to me and my my family who I there are Cowboy fans in my family, they always tell me and they and I kind of agree with them. Tony Pollard is the best running back on that team right now. Yeah. And he and he has to stay behind because Zeke is making the money and Jerry Jones is gonna tell Mike McCarthy, I want Zeke out there. If he's making this much money he better be on the field. Yep. And they need to also get off to Marcus Lawrence. I think that's a big... Well, it's just the Jerry way, right? Where he pays these young guys that he drafts and is like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And he thinks he revitalized all their careers, and then all of a sudden they don't really match up to their production, and then they have to move off of them later. Like, it happened with Jalen Smith last year, right? A guy who yeah. he sort of turned into a star and then very quickly fell off. So, just kind of the cowboy way. Dean, we got a minute before winners and losers. Talk to me about Cole Beasley. Apparently he's going to seek a trade and be out of Buffalo, so that's a big loss for a guy oh, who's no. a really good receiver. I mean... Here's the thing, though. That playoff game against Kansas City is going to make Gabriel Davis's production go up. And besides that, 
I'm not actually going to be mad if they lose Cole Beasley. They save they save around seven million in cap space. He's thirty four years old, I believe. Thirty three, thirty four. He's not going to get any younger, obviously. And I don't know if you guys saw. I watched the combine the other day. Uh, the forty yard dashes, all that. This class is deep. This is a class. See, I would love for the Bills to get a guy like David Bell from Purdue, and you know, draft a guy like that. Um, It's one of those. If we lose him, I'll be upset. But at the same time, um, the the class is so deep, and you could just find a good receiver out there. And you know, maybe they do have their slot guy in Isaiah McKenzie. I that Patriot that second game against the Patriots, not that freak show of a weather game on Monday night. Isaiah McKenzie had a hundred yards, and he was a slot receiver. They have guys like Isaiah McKenzie that can play the slot. They you can, or if you don't want to get someone like McKenzie to step up, just draft someone from the NFL draft. This is a dra- This is a deep wide receiver class. Uh, I think it's. And this is going to probably be a stretch, but the deepest it's been in a long time. Like I think there's talent from one to seven at wide receiver rounds one through seven. And that's what it's been the last few years too. Yeah. A lot um, of good receivers, <clears throat> but. Uh, if they lose Beasley, oh well. If they lose Sanders, oh well. Um, as long as you get a solid receiver out out of it, as long as I mean, as long as you have your quarterback that's throwing you the ball, I think they'll still be fine. And like I said, you have McKenzie, and if you don't, you can go draft someone. And you have Stephon Diggs, who's a wide receiver one. You also have Gabriel Davis, who I think is going to see an. Inc- I, I think also part of this is because after that playoff game, I think we're going to see more increased production from Gabriel Davis next year. Um, Very well possible, and and I love Gabriel Davis, and I met, and you you mentioned to me my you, you thought he was my third or fourth favorite receiver. The thing was, I just felt like Gabriel Davis wasn't utilized enough a lot this year, up until the end of the season, up until the playoffs. So I think now seeing his rookie year last year, how good he did, considering he was a fourth option, yeah. considering in the playoffs and at the end of the regular season, how he heated up. Um, I think getting, I think we're going to see an increased production in Gabriel Davis. All right, guys. We got winners and losers. We got about six minutes here before we, do. we gotta pass it along to the next show. Yes, Aiden, I want to hear it. All right. Well, take this however you will. I'm going with this as a winner, but I'm a big F1 fan, as you you three know, and we know. none of the other yes. rest of you are. But you know what? First of all, F1 fans, winners, Drive to Survive season four coming out in six days. It's gonna be awesome. Highly recommend watching it, all three of you, anyone listening, even if you don't follow F1, it is an amazing show. Is this, is this a Netflix? It's on Netflix. I, 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 yep. It's an amazing, amazing show. Highly recommend. Anyways, point is, um, obviously, all this stuff is going on with Russia right now, and a lot of sports teams are and sports leagues are doing things uh, with, with the country and with the athletes from that country, including F1. They... Uh, terminated the contract with the Russian Grand Prix a few weeks ago or a few days ago and this morning it was announced that Nikita Mazepin the uh, one of the drivers for Haas um, the only American team on the grid actually is going to have his contract terminated Mazepin it, is a horrible driver he sucked he was easily the worst person on the grid <laughs> last season. That. I love your honesty. Does he, um, does, he, does he like get parking tickets and does he get speeding tickets? Yeah, more or less. Like his, nickname, his nickname was Mazaspin because he would <laughs> spin out every single race. He's not good. Uh, the, so only reason, the only reason he had a spot was because his dad is a Russian oligarch who was paying a lot of money to the team as a sponsor in return for having Mazepin get a seat. 
that dad was one of the business leaders who met with Putin a few days ago to discuss the business sanctions going on in Russia right now. So the F1 and Haas are really just trying to get away from that as much as they can, as fast as they can. And I think it's the right move. And in addition, you're getting rid of the worst driver on the grid. So it's a win-win situation from my uh, in my book. Anyways, that's all from me. Go F1. Watch Drive to Survive. All right. I like that. I got a winner. My winner is going back in time a little bit because last night, DeMarcus Cousins, 31 points, nine boards, and three steals, taking it back to, to, so happy for to, the, to, the, to the New Orleans Sacramento days back because, you know, I always loved DeMarcus Cousins. I know Noah has. A couple of years ago, this guy was better than Joel Embiid. He was av- Before he got hurt, he was averaging 25, 25, 13, and 5 with 37% from three-point range. He was unbelievable out there. He was easily one of the best centers. If he could just show glimpses of that, it's always nice to see. I think he's a great backup for Jokic. I think he found a great spot in Denver. I'm really happy for Boogie. Yep. Dean, go ahead. Uh, my loser is Russia. I'm not going to get political on this one. So for those who don't know, uh, a lot has happened this weekend, and it topped, it's topped all off with the Russian national soccer team, men's and women's, and their club teams being banned from any FIFA or UEFA-related compet- uh, competitions. Uh, Spartak Moscow, who is a club, who, a Russian club that's in the Europa League, got disqualified from their tie against Leipzig. Um, the IIHF is also banning Russia and Belarus. Same thing with EA Sports in NHL and FIFA. Um, can't say it, it wasn't coming. I mean, it... <clears throat> It was going to happen, but um, <clears throat> sorry. I will say this: I do feel bad for the players. Like, let's just say you're on um, <clears throat> Zenit St. Petersburg, Russian club, and there's like there's a guy, a Brazilian player on there. I feel bad for those type of players because you know those players are not really associated with the country or anything. However, um, Aiden, you brought this up to me the other day. The only way the, you have to make a sacrifice, and the only way to you know punish is to also punish the clubs so unfortunately those players are just caught up in that circumstance so that's my loser for me i'll go with my winner cam johnson of the suns last night i don't know if you guys saw this why shot the lights out why did he do this to me (laughs) he finished with almost 40 points again 38 including a buzzer beater walk off three off the bank it was crazy uh and julius Randle with that ejection julius Randle got ejected the whole game flipped right there but another thing on top of the fact that he had 39 points, let's get some contract talks at the end of the season going for Cam Johnson because those are going to be expensive that's a, numbers. That's 70, also, 72 mil. 70 million, maybe? He's really good. Quick, unrelated note if you're done. You got it. Okay. Uh, just Bombers basketball updates. Vassar got crushed. Vassar men's got crushed last night by WPI. So uh, oh had to take some WPI. payback. Payback from Jack that Jordan. for beating us. And uh, SUNY Cortland also got crushed last night by DeSale. Or DeSalle, or however you pronounce it, in the women. So, yeah. Also, Noah and I have a new podcast starting one on one. Make sure to check that out on High Tops Media. Episode first episode drops this Tuesday. Heck yep. yeah! Check that out. All right, everybody. We're gonna see you after spring break. We got a week off, but we'll be back after the break. Uh, and make sure you stay tuned here to VIC for much more sports radio coming up this Saturday morning. We'll be passing it along to Clay Davis and Kyle DeSantis. See you guys soon.